Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to get straight into it. Sound good? We're rolling. Point one. Right off the bat, we are all hungry. We are a people that are desperate for love, for acceptance, for validation, and that's innate. It's, it's a core desire for every person in the world, every people group. Um, everybody on the planet is looking for that. And at the very top of the list, out of all the marginalized orphans, different people groups, I think that the people who need love and acceptance the most are homeschoolers. I was homeschooled. I was very homeschooled, K through 12th. I made it the whole way. And man, homeschoolers have a tough plight. Good luck being accepted a bunch amongst a bunch of sixth grade boys when you're the homeschool kid. And I had all these solo, nerdy homeschool kid hobbies. It was Legos. And I graduated to yo-yoing solo. I'm like, at a certain point, I became freakishly good at juggling solo. And then the crown jewel of solo homeschool kid nerdy hobbies. Ready? Magic. And thanks be to God, at one point in my life, I found skateboarding. And the very first moment I stood on that skateboard, I realized, you know what, this is the ticket. This is my ticket out of here. (laughs) This is how I'm going to be accepted. This is how I'm going to break free from the stereotype that was my life. Um, yeah, man. Okay, so, and in that, got a little better at skateboarding through the years, changed my skate aesthetic, and every so often, I'd be at a party or a barbecue or at the skate park something, and I would hear this phrase, and it just gave chills over my whole body, just the greatest thing you could possibly hear as a homeschool kid. I'd hear this. Oh, wow. I would have never guessed you were homeschooled. Woo! Woo! I made it. I wasn't profiled as a homeschooler. We're all looking for love and acceptance, and that's obviously a, a comedic story, but the world really is hungry. We're, 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 we have a, a void in our heart. We're desperately looking for what I think is Jesus. John's super clear that God is love. Jesus is love incarnate in the flesh. The world is desperate for Jesus. Mother Teresa writes, the greatest disease in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. It's being unloved and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, 
But the only cure for loneliness and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love, and there is a hunger for God. We have so many core desires, our deepest desires, and I think Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those. He's it. Love incarnate, the great king, the creator of the universe. He's what we're looking for. Which takes us to point two. Ready? Still moving. Point two is this. If Jesus is what my soul craves, then why doesn't it always feel that way? Why is it that it's sometimes so hard to read the Bible? Why does the Bible feel boring? Why does prayer feel so disconnected sometimes? Why is it so difficult to tithe or to make it to church or to not want to skip mini church? We feel there's a disconnect. Why is that? If I just told you right now that Jesus is what we're looking for, what the world's looking for, what each of our friends is looking for, what's, what's the disconnect? What's happening? Am I wrong? The disconnect is our flesh, which is where I'm kind of going to rest for a few minutes today. The flesh is a term that Paul uses and Jesus uses um, a lot. It's also a, a big topic in this book. I'll, I'll show it to you. Live No Lies. This is from John Mark Comer. A lot of what I'll talk about today is out of this. But he defines the flesh as, and I'll read it, an animalistic drive for self-gratification, especially as pertains to sensuality and to survival, a.k.a. do anything we want when we want. And so when you're reading the Bible or listening to me today, kind of an easy synonym that's maybe an oversimplification, but the flesh equals sinful desire. I think we even have that on the screen. The flesh equals sinful desire. Paul, on the subject of the flesh, and this is what my grandpa just read, he said in Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We're all looking for life and peace, but I think we're getting, at least for me, I'm getting distracted by my flesh frequently. A couple examples, kind of modern examples, a lot of these I'll relate to, some of them you will as well, um, some not. You eat way too many burritos, you just man, I'm ready to just cram down some burritos and you just feel disgusting afterwards. I live right next to Roberto's. It's very, way too easy to eat way too many burritos. You spend more money than you make. Your norm is binging at HBO. You give in to disordered sexual desires. You're constantly mindlessly scrolling social media. Tough, that's me. You check and recheck and obsess over your inbox. You don't know how to rest, and, you're, and you work far beyond your financial needs. You're addicted to making money and place a high priority on maintaining an image of success. You're judgmental, and, you're gossip, and gossip is a go-to. You hoard your resources. 
You have a compulsive need for travel and new experience, constantly forsaking community for a fear of missing out. I'm sure I'm not the only FOMO person in here. We're all dealing with the flesh. We're all dealing with the flesh. The flesh equals sinful desire. Okay, so let me interject with soda. If you're from the Midwest, my guess, and this is just a guess, is that you probably drink upwards of six cans of soda per day. Maybe not true, maybe not true, but I have some family in the Midwest, and they cram down some soda. And what's the main ingredient in soda besides caffeine? Okay, what's the smarter way to say it? Shout it out. High fructose corn syrup, cancer's favorite ingredients. We love some high fructose corn syrup. And whenever you have a steady diet of high fructose corn syrup, what does LaCroix taste like? Anybody? I think we got a meme for us. This is what someone that drank a lot of soda wrote about LaCroix. <laughs> LaCroix tastes like it's transported in a truck near bananas. Hint of, hint of lime. Just one Skittle and some water. LaCroix won't taste like much of anything if you drink a lot of high fructose corn syrup. But if you are a California hippie elitist, you might live in Ocean Beach, you shop at a farmer's market. LaCroix, there's a certain group of people in society that think certain flavors of LaCroix, don't want to throw too many under the bus, but key lime is too sweet. Anybody think key lime is too sweet? That's a very sweet and kind of gross, yeah, Guillermo got me, very sweet and kind of gross flavor of LaCroix. Too much sugar in there. I don't, it's not even sugar, but somehow it's too sweet. LaCroix is tasteless if we have a steady stream of, of sugar. Back to the question, why am I not hungrier for Jesus? Why don't I feel hungry for Jesus? Why, why is it so hard to read the Bible? Why, why am I not in love with him. He did everything. He paid, paid it all on the cross for us. He has a personal relationship with us. He cares so deeply about you. And why is it so hard for us to love him? Why does our heart feel distant from him often? And to parallel the LaCroix point, I think it's because we've drinking too much soda. Thanks for the little laugh there. That was great. We're consistently, far too consistently, indulging on the things of this world. Because man, another episode, always, they, always lived in a cliff, they always end on a cliffhanger. You just want to watch one more. For me, it's like one more skate video. Oh my gosh, I can like binge 10 hours of skate videos very easily. But we're indulging on the flesh and we're, we're indulging on things of this world, as the Bible calls it, we're putting a little bit of a gap between us and him. And not that obviously watching skate videos isn't bad, but it's satiating our desire. We, remember, we have this inner desire for love and acceptance and validation 
and to be loved and to love others. We have that desire and we're satiating that. We're filling up on gas station chili dogs as opposed to farmer's market greens. Anybody relate? Preaching to myself here. This book was like, hit me. I have so much underlined from that. John Mark Comer. Okay, this is John Piper, kind of, a ten, kind of an intense pastor, but I like this quote from him. If you don't feel a strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. Another quote from John Mark. We sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. We sin because we believe a lie about what makes us happy. The devil's greatest trick is, is convincing us that the, desire, that the desires of the flesh are going to fill the void in our heart. An obvious example is ice cream. I think we can all relate to that. This ice cream is going to make me happy. How long does it make you happy for? Especially if you eat a lot like me. Anybody? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? But you're like, you're going up, you're eating, 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 and the plummets. <laughs> Not for very long. And that's a, a lighthearted example. But look at, look at the rest of the world. Look, what's, look what we're doing. I'm going to keep moving. The problem with sin slash the flesh is that it slowly consumes us. Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Paul and Jesus call it slavery. St. Augustine, he calls it shackles of gratification. The therapy world calls enslavement compulsion, and as we can see, compulsion left unchecked breeds addiction. Shackles of gratification, we're tied to our addictions. I, 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 even when I'm working, even when I'm typing this message, I'm like, checking my phone, checking my phone, checking my phone every like eight minutes, or sometimes every eight seconds. I'm like, why am I so addicted to this? Again, a lighthearted example, an example with less consequences. The flesh, actually, let me read, let me read the Bible. Romans 8, 6, again, what my grandpa read. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. We're seeing that. We're seeing that all over the world. Substance addiction, suicide rates, depression, anxiety, sexual violence, gun violence, physical illness, self-hate, self-harm, envy, greed. The world is looking for Jesus. They're looking for him. They're, they're, they're crying out for him. We have this inner void in our heart for him. And we're, we're finding it in, in all, the, all the wrong places. Living by the flesh is ultimately destroying our insides, like the gas station chili dog. Our society 
is being eaten, eaten at, a, at, a, at a core level, at a, at, a, at a fundamental level. St. Augustine, North African uh, theologian from 400 AD, he writes this, which I, which I love. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. He's the solution. Jesus is what we need. Part three, moving forward. How do we fight against our flesh? Let me interject with dancing. That's not the answer, but that's my new topic for a second. I am terrible at dancing. You might have guessed already, given the homeschool bit from earlier, but I'm just absolutely atrocious at dancing. I, and, and it's not for lack of trying. I know that cool people are good at dancing. I, I, I know that, and I just, I can't do it. I'm a wedding photographer. I was for many years, and I'm at a lot of weddings. I was in three weddings last year. I'm at weddings all the time, and I just, I can't dance. And I'm telling you, it's not for lack of trying. I've tried. Dar Darcy's a great dancer. My wife, she showed me these YouTube videos. Joel, you just got to like be a little more fluid. I'm like, no, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little stiff. No, and this is my transition, as you can tell, no amount of willpower is going to help me dance better. I, I, I believe that very confidently. We can't fight our flesh via willpower. Willpower is not the solution. Amen? Willpower is not the solution. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution. The, the, the whole Bible almost explains that from start to finish. The Israelites desperately wanted, um, they, they desperately wanted a king. They were, they were given the law. They were given all these things. And no, no, no. Jesus had to come. We needed Jesus. He was a solution. It wasn't the law. It wasn't a king. It wasn't a monarchy. It was none of that. We can't do it on our own. It's, it's in him. However, I bring up willpower very intentionally. Um, John Comer says this about willpower. Willpower's primary place in the life of the believer is to help us, help us engage in spiritual disciplines. Willpower is at its best when it does what it can to direct us into spiritual practices so the Spirit's power can do what willpower can't, overcome the desires of the flesh. Jesus does 99% of the pie. We just have this one little sliver and it's spiritual disciplines. He promises us the fruits of the Spirit, which are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He's, he's doing all the hard stuff. All he's, asking, all he's asking for is just us to show up. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Like Drew said, small steps. I'm not going to try to do his voice. I'll butcher that. I'm not even going to open that can of worms. Small steps. We take a step towards Jesus, and he's saying, okay, my invitation, amazing. Draw, James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But it, it's, we're in control of that little sliver. We can choose to do a spiritual disciplines or not. 
People say spiritual disciplines are religious, but that's not, that's not the case. Spiritual, spiritual disciplines actually bridge the gap from religion to relationship. The only way we have relationship with Jesus is by spending time with him. We, we, we can't have a relationship with Jesus without spending time with him. It's, it's, it goes against the, the very fundamental aspect of what, our, what a relationship is. We have to connect with him. And that's even an overstatement. We don't have to connect with him. We worship a very confident God that's really okay with free will. He's, he gave us free will. He's not twisting our wrist, demanding that we spend so much time in this and prayer and fasting and all these things. No, 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 no. He's saying, hey, if you want full, abundant John 10, 10 life, spend time with me. I just want to connect with you. We, we, it's hard to have a relationship with you when we only hang out five minutes a month or, or an hour on Sundays. He wants to be close with you. Here are a couple of many spiritual disciplines. I think I've got a full little list. Number one, Bible, prayer, fasting, tithing slash generosity, confession, Sabbath, each of those could be whole sermon series. I'm not even going to really touch on them. Um, besides, uh, actually, yeah, I'm going to talk about fasting for a moment. Fasting, one, we don't talk about it that often, but fasting is one of the greatest ways that we can fight against our flesh. It's literally a detox from the world. It's saying it's retraining our brain. It's rewiring our neuropathways to believe, oh, yeah, all I need is God. And if you have ever done a fast, the first three days are, like, terrible. I've never done, actually, no, I've only done Daniel fasts, which are, like, fruits and vegetables only. The first three days, you're detoxing, and you're grumpy, and it's an awful experience. Um, and then you reach day four, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I feel energy. Oh, my goodness, I feel like I just want to spend time in prayer. I just want to connect with Jesus. I just want to read the Bible. And at the end of your fast, you're like, Wow. God is so tangible. He's so powerful. He loves me so much. You feel connected whenever you detox the world. It's a, it's a really remarkable thing, which is obviously why Jesus fasted. Even Jesus needed to. So spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. Every single time we open the Bible, we're waging war on the enemy. Every single time we pray, we're fighting our flesh, we're fighting back against the enemy's lies, and we're changing our future. <clears throat> remember, remember that spiritual disciplines take a lot of willpower at first, just like fasting, getting those through those first three days. If we get through to a certain point, you realize, oh, it's kind of easy to read the Bible. It's really not, it's really life-giving, actually. You realize, oh, my day was so much more peaceful when I started it in prayer. So I have so much less anxiety about money whenever I tithe. It becomes easier and easier and easier. But willpower is at the very start because nobody's really, God's not forcing you to tithe. He's giving the opportunity to. He's not forcing you to confess your sin. He's not forcing you to do anything. We have the opportunity to. All right, moving forward. Romans 8, 38. This is the end of the chapter. My grandpa didn't read this yet. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. And we have a tendency to listen to a sermon like this and feel bad about ourselves, feel shame, feel all these different emotions, and you realize, no, 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 God's love for you is so consistent. This isn't about earning anything. This is about abundant, full John 10, 10 life, life to the fullest. Each decision matters. So um, it's easy to kind of think about spiritual disciplines and think, ah, are they that big of a deal? Or the devil's kind of favorite trick is next month, next month I'll have time to read scripture. Next month, once my job switches around, then I'll be able to join a mini church and grow deeper in community. Next month, it's just a right around the corner. The enemy loves that lie. It's his, it's his favorite one. Chris Cruz, a pastor that I respect, he says this, every, sun, every second of every hour, Every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month of every year, every year of your life, you are becoming someone. The very great risk is not thinking twice about who you're becoming because you're too consumed with what you're doing in the moment. And we know this. Our actions shape our future. Our actions shape our future. Each choice to gossip is creating a habit, a pattern, each decision to maybe grab the remote instead of grabbing your Bible, you're creating a habit, a pattern that becomes a destiny and a person. We have the decision each day, who am I going to be? Who, how am I going to live? Who am I living for? A more kind of intense example of this is infidelity. No one wakes up after having 10 years of the most incredible, amazing marriage and just has an affair. You don't hear stories like that, not, not too often. It's thousands of little small decisions over the course of a decade that cause you to make a, a, a pretty intense decision. It's the small things, what you're watching, what you're consuming, who you're following. It's the small stuff. Daily decisions. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I like this quote. The key to spiritual formation is to change what we can control, the small little sliver, 1%, which are our habits, to influence what we can't control the desires of our flesh. That's, that's on God. God's going to give us strength. God's in charge of that quadrant. All I can do is my best to be a person who wakes up every day and submits my day to the Lord and say, God, this is your day. Having a kid recently has really showed me my wife is a lot better person than I thought she was, and I'm a lot worse of a person than I thought I was. Parents, you could probably relate, but man, I have a tendency towards selfishness. 
I'm right in the middle of this. With it's not like I'm reached any level. I'm I'm a very selfish being. I'm constantly tempted by my flesh. But every day, like you said, just small step, faith of a mustard seed, one one day at a time. Okay, let's bring the worship team up, prayer team up. I'm I'm wrapping up. Water break. I made it the whole time. No water break. You guys notice that? That's pretty good. Okay, this is Luke. Luke 9, 23. This is Jesus talking. Jesus in his very intense manner. He says this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer summarizes Jesus and says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And as history shows us, Bonhoeffer was uh, martyred by the Nazis soon after that quote. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's Jesus. That's what we're looking for. It really is. We know, that we, we know that to be true. Every single time we make a good decision, our soul feels that. It's Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for his love. We're looking for acceptance, for hope, for peace for his presence. That's who we're looking for. I'm constantly distracted. There's all these, it's like shiny object syndrome. So easy to be distracted. Every day, Lord, we can even bow our heads. Let's pray. This is what I'm praying frequently. You can pray this with me right now. Lord, I surrender it all to you. All of my desires, all the good ones, and the many bad ones, I lay them at your feet. And I say, Jesus, have your way with me. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I, I give you everything. I give you my day. I give you my morning routine. I give you my substance. Um, my, my uh, what's it called? Substance cons consumption. I give you my, my need for approval. I give you my need for instant gratification. I give you my ambition, my desire to excel and to become the best. I give you my finances. I give you my anxieties, my fears. I, I, I give it all to you. I know that I'm in the wisest place possible when I'm surrendered to you. And Lord, I pray right now that you touch your hearts. I rebuke shame in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you're not grumpy or angry or um, upset at anyone in this room. You're not upset at me for my selfishness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But Lord, I pray that you draw us to you. 
Lord, I pray that you give us habits that focus our lives around you, that center our lives around you. Forgive me for my apathy and spiritual disciplines lately. I want my life to be about you, Jesus. All right, amen. It's worship. Prayer team, they're up front. Come get prayer. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.